Hello, and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. Well, I want to continue today's series, Grace Power. And so if you brought your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 15. And I, I actually listened to Pastor Tim's first two messages in the series, and I loved it because if you were here, then you heard that grace is easy. But you also heard that we need to be needy. We need grace. And so we need to realize that grace is easy, but we also need to recognize our need for it. And today I want to talk to you about the power of grace the power of grace. And we're gonna start in Luke 15, verse 11. And this is a story that maybe you've heard if you've been in church. It's the the story of the lost son. But I would like to ask you to do something a little different and look at this with fresh eyes because the word of God is living and active, meaning if you've read it once, you haven't read it enough. And so we're gonna read it with new eyes and we know that God's gonna say something new to us. And so starting in verse 11, It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. I need you to notice that he moved out of the house. The house didn't move out of him. Continuing, and there in the distant land, he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. I just find that convenient because sometimes I feel like God lets things run out so that we realize we need him. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. He finally came to a census, meaning he hit rock bottom. And he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, His father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Notice he didn't change his apology based off of his father's welcome. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. He changed his clothes. Quit wearing yesterday's clothes into today's destiny. Side note. And he killed the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. So his father came out. Notice he'll meet you wherever you are. 
and begged him and replied, all these years I have slayed for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I want to tell you today, the power of grace changes three areas. It changes three things. And the first thing that the power of grace changes is it changes where we live. If you notice in the story, something that is probably a very favorite part of the story is that it says that while he was a long way off, the father ran to him, which means the father was watching and waiting for him. But my favorite part of the story is it says that he ran to him, which means that the son didn't walk home alone. I think sometimes we think of this like a dream where we picture that they embrace and then all of a sudden there's a flash of light and they're back home and he's having this party. But we forget to remember that, hey, there was a long way to him, meaning there's a long way home. And here's what I came to realize is that grace is just as much about the journey as it is the destination. And the moving company from your past to your destiny is the Holy Spirit. The only way you're going to get from the pig pen back home is because the Holy Spirit sent his son to come and die on a cross so that he could walk on the journey of grace with you. Grace comes from a Hebrew word. It has two parent roots. And the first parent root is that it means to be gracious or to have mercy. And the best way to understand that definition is to look at what it's paralleled with. And it's paralleled with things like beauty and help and rescue. It literally means like to rescue. The second parent root would mean to camp or to set up tents. And what they would do in this time is they would set up tent in a circle that would serve as a wall that continues. And it would divide what's inside from what's outside. And the only way you could get inside that camp was if you were a part of that family. And the only way you could be a part of that family was if blood was shed. If you're jumping ahead of me, then you already know that somewhere there's a story in the Bible that is reality where some blood was shed so that you and I could be brought into a tent, brought into a camp because we now became family as long as we receive it. And so now, as Christians, we are the only people that can live and rest in a safe place. Grace, if we could boil it down, would be be to set up a camp of protection around you and bring the beauty out of you. When God says, hey, I'm going to put my grace in your life, what he's trying to tell you is I'm going to set up a camp of protection around you that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And not only that, I'm not going to let your dead self sit there. I'm going to bring all the best out of you. And I know where it is because I'm the one that put it there. That's what grace is. That's the power of grace. So the power of grace changes where I live. It takes me out of the world where I am afraid and where I am a place where a wolf could come and get me or danger could hurt me or sickness could kill me. Things could take a part of me and it takes me out of that and it puts me into a safe place where I can rest. 
The second thing that power of grace changes in us is it changes how we speak. Ethan and I, um, I've come to learn that we communicate a little differently. Like for instance, when we were dating, we went to this fine dining restaurant called Wendy's. And I mean, we were the best at dating. And so we went there one night and I immediately am drawn to all of the pictures and I'm trying to see which one makes me feel hungry enough to order that, right? He is all the way over here and he's looking at this little bitty menu. There's no pictures and everything on it is 99 cents. (laughs) They don't have that by the way anymore, but That's how I learned we kind of see a little differently. I didn't fully understand at that time until we got married and we would go somewhere and I'd be like, I need these shoes. They just make me feel a certain way. And he would be like, yeah, see those shoes, they don't cost what the budget says they can cost. So no. And I was like, oh, I communicate in how feelings he communicates in numbers. When we go to look at a house, I ask, how does it make me feel? He says, how much does it? cost like all the time everywhere we go I'm like how's your heart he's like I don't know the numbers say it's good (laughs) what just how do you feel we don't we've learned though with the power of grace that we can find a common ground we learned that sometimes he has to let his feelings come out and the numbers have to take a back seat and there's another thing we're trying to learn I haven't figured that out yet about numbers taking a back or front seat versus feelings we're getting there Anywho, did you notice in the story of the lost son how the father ran out to him and all of a sudden he began to chew him out for wasting his inheritance and he began to get on to him about his sin and he began to tell him how bad he was. Did you notice that in the story when I read it? Oh, you didn't? That's because it didn't happen. But somewhere along the way, we have seemed to understand that it is our job to judge people and let them know how bad they are. Somewhere along the way, we thought that our job was to convict you, and it's not. Just to let you in on a little secret, if you have to tell someone how bad they are, they're probably not ready to know what right is. In John 13, verse 35, it says that they will know by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You could basically sum up the Bible in love God and love people. It doesn't sum up and say love God and judge people. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a big generation out there that's looking for love, not judgment. And we have it. As Christians, I have the love you're looking for. Why is it that I turn you off because I'm too busy judging you? In Proverbs 10, verse 19, it says that sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Listen, people aren't changing because you keep talking. They're changing because you keep loving. You can tell them all you want to tell them, but start loving them, and I promise you'll see change in them. Colossians 4, verse 6, this is the message version. It says, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation not to put them down, not to cut them out. If we were to take the definition that I just laid out of grace, to set up a camp of protection around you and to bring out the beauty in you, if we started to use that as our lens to talking to people, I think we could change the world. 
I think if we started to say, and people truly understood that if they came to a Christian and they had a conversation with them, that it would be a safe place, that it would be a place where I set up a camp of protection around you, meaning I'm not gonna gossip about what you just told me, meaning I'm not gonna exaggerate what you just told me, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna turn to the person next to you and tell them what you just told me, I'm gonna set up a safe place for you to talk to. And then I'm going to bring out the very best in you. Meaning you start talking to me about negative things, I'm gonna say, no, 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 no. Listen, you can tell me how bad something is, but let me remind you how good God is. Let me tell you how good it can be. Let me tell you what I can do for you. I'm going to bring out the best in you. And if I say I'm going to bring out the best in you, I'm gonna bring out the best of the person you're talking about too. Meaning I ain't gonna let you talk about them. I'm gonna stop you right there and say, but what does God see in them? Listen, if we'll take the power of grace and we'll let it change how we speak, I think a whole lot of people would come into the house of God. I loved what Pastor Tim said when he talked about how the generation is leaving the church and he thought, he said, maybe they're just leaving your church. Can I just say, if people aren't talking to you, it's not because they're not talking to anybody. It's because they're not talking to you. So start talking with grace, start listening with grace. The power of grace means I'm no longer striving to be understood, I'm striving to understand. I'm striving to be there for you. Let's be there for people. Let's love people, let's care for people, let's take care of people. Our words build our perspective. There was this scientific experiment of two trees. They were the exact same trees. They were put into the exact same circumstances. They had the exact same potential. And the only thing different was to one tree, they spoke life and to another, they spoke death. And you and I both know what happened. One died and one lived. Can I tell you, your potential is not picked by you. It's picked by God. But you can hold your situation captive by your words. You can. So choose your words to a place that changes your perspective. The third thing that the power of grace changes is what we see. Our words change what we see. I'm not saying that we sit here and we say, hey, I'm going to ignore the reality of things or I'm going to not acknowledge those. No, no, no. I'm saying you acknowledge them, but just don't let your words define them. Let your words define the life that's within them and watch it change your situation. We build our perspective by how we speak. I loved that in the story of the lost son, the father runs out to him. There was no time between the pig pen and this encounter for the, for the son to clean up. There was none. He stank. I'll just tell you straight out. I don't know if you've ever hung out with pigs before. They don't smell the best. Like people that have them as pets, if it's you, I'm sorry. If people have them as pets, I'm like, how? I can't handle the smell. They stank, y'all. And he wasn't just hanging out with them. He was sleeping with them. He was feeding them. He was cleaning up after them, meaning he was covered in it. He was a mess. And yet the father hugged him and he kissed him and he embraced him. You wanna know why? Because he wasn't afraid of the mess. He wasn't afraid of getting dirty. He, he knew how to clean it up. So he could kiss it and did it mean that the mess was non-existent? No, it just meant it wasn't the priority. The priority was the condition of the heart. The priority was the relationship. Listen, your mess is not his priority, your heart is. He's coming after your heart. 
He's not coming after your mess. I love it. People say, turn your mess into your message. That's great, but how's your heart? Your message comes out of your heart. So let's fix your heart and the mess will take care of itself. Let's go after your heart. How's your heart doing this morning? Because that's what he's running after. He didn't see the mess. He saw a son with a changed heart. Listen, when you truly repent, you're not looking for a position in the house anymore. You're looking just for placement in the father's house. You just want to be a son or a daughter. You no longer care about the title or the position. I told you, notice he didn't change his apology. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you've ever gotten into a fight with somebody and then y'all take separate ways to cool off and y'all come back and you've been preparing your apology and they go first and they're like, man, I'm so sorry I screwed up. You're like, yeah, you did. It's cool. I'm going to say face. I mean, why not? That's not what this guy did. He didn't say face no more. He didn't want, he's going to make fun of me saying no more. Anyways, he didn't say face. He changed. He changed his heart. He changed his posture. Your position will change throughout life, but if your posture ever does, you're in a lot of trouble. He changed his posture. I love it because there's this whole thing where we're in this mess and we keep thinking that we've got to clean it up. And he's just not overwhelmed by your mess. He's, he's excited that you're just coming home. He's excited that you just allow grace to be in your life. There's... um. Well, I'll tell you the story. My little boy, he's the oldest of the boys, and he's two and a half. And a little while ago, um, he is not potty trained yet. Um, And so he was upstairs playing with his sisters. And I noticed that he came downstairs, and he is naked from the waist down. And so I go to pick him up, and all he's doing is crying and saying, I'm sorry. And so I go to pick him up, and I realize as I pick him up that he stinks so bad. And I realize now that it is all over me and it is all over him. And so I slowly clean him up and I, then I'm trekking through the house to figure out where the diaper is that would have held most of the mess or hopefully most of it. And I'm tracking through the house and I realize that it's upstairs. And so I go upstairs and I find the diaper. And as I'm coming back down the stairs, I notice that my two-year-old son did what I've taught him to do since he was a crawler. And that is that he sat down and scooted all the way down the stairs. Every single one of them. We didn't miss one. Just miss one this one time. Not one. I'm talking, y'all, a booty mark all the way down my stairs. I can't even clean the carpet. It's white. It's great. I chose to laugh at the moment instead of cry, but I was literally broken. I was like, oh, and I was pregnant too, I think. So I was just nauseous out the wazoo. Anywho, listen, in the moment, that mess didn't matter to me. My little boy's heart did. Still to this day, he's my favorite kid to clean up after because you never hear, uh oh, you only hear, I sorry, mommy, I sorry, I sorry, mommy, I sorry. And you're like, oh man, I'm gonna turn around to the worst mess in the world. But it's okay because his heart is so sweet. In Mark chapter eight, there's a story of Jesus healing a blind man. And it says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. 
Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. I just have to wonder if Jesus didn't make a mistake, but instead he granted him spiritual sight before he granted him physical sight. All throughout the Bible, we can see that people are referred to as trees. One of the most common areas is Psalm 23, where it says they were streams, I mean, there were trees planted by streams of water. And so what if God granted him a perspective of grace towards people before he granted him the reality of people? What if he allowed him to see people as he sees them, as trees, And what if you and I could start to see people as trees? And I know what you might be thinking is, well, how will I know their true condition? Well, if you've ever looked at a tree, you can tell a lot lot about it by how it looks. You can tell if a storm just blew through. You can tell if it's winter and they might need some comfort. You can tell if it's summer and they might need some water. You can tell if it's spring. And this is, by the way, the most envied season of people's life because it looks like it's so full. It looks like it's flourishing. But the part you're not seeing is in spring is also the, spring, the season of pruning. And so oftentimes what we envy is we envy the big, beautiful tree. But on the inside of that big, beautiful tree, they're having to let go of things that aren't even dead. They're having to let go of things that are going well. They're going through something that you can't even imagine. And by the way, you just forgot that they just went through winter. So while you're over here with the perspective of looking at that as something that you desire, just remember that your spring could be coming too. There's a perspective in this story of the lost son, and it's the the perspective of the older brother. The older brother, honestly, he lost perspective. He honestly had grown entitled. It's funny because it was as though he had been in the house so long that he somewhere along the way believed he had earned his way in there. And I don't know, but for me, I personally believe that sometimes we as Christians fall into this trap too. We've been in the house of God so long that somehow along the way, we figured that we earned our way there. And so because we earned it, we think you should earn it too. And so when the new person comes in, instead of celebrating with them, we all of a sudden become bitter that they haven't earned their way like I have. They haven't served their way like I have. They haven't done the hard time like I have. And we began to judge them and we began to let bitterness take place in us and we began to grow entitled. Not remembering that at the very beginning of this story, the father divided it. He was the older son, meaning he got more than the younger son. He gave it to both of them, not just the younger son. And so he had already received the things he's telling his dad he has never been given. But isn't that the reality of life is when we lose perspective, we begin to believe a lie that we don't own anything. But the question is, what is in your possession that you're not using because you're too busy looking at everyone else? I'm just asking, why are you looking at them when you've been given more than they have? 
You are gifted. You are blessed. You are talented. You are purpose. You are all these things, but it's going to waste because you are looking at them. You can have a perspective of grace or you can have a perspective of bitterness. It's all up to you. But the best part is it says the father came out to him. No matter where you are, whether you've been in the house for 50 years or today's your very first day, the father comes to you. I want to offer you one more perspective. And there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 5, and it's of a, a gentleman named Naaman. And Naaman, he had leprosy, and a, a slave girl actually tells him that if he'll go visit the prophet in Israel, that he could heal him. And so he goes, he travels, and he visits Elisha. And when he gets to Elisha's door, he knocks on the door, and a messenger comes to the door. And the messenger says, hey, go bathe in the Jordan River seven times, and you will be healed. And Naaman, he gets mad. He genuinely gets mad and he says, I thought he would have at least come out to meet me. I thought he would have waved his hand and called on his God and I would have been healed. And you know what that tells me? Oh, and then he says, by the way, he says, and why would I go to Jordan? That's the dirtiest river. Why wouldn't I go to these nice rivers over here? These beautiful rivers over here. You know what I realized? Is Naaman thought the process was below him. And because of an unmet expectation between him and God, he almost let that unmet expectation hold him captive from going through a process that he thought was below him to receive the healing he had always been wanting. Please hear me. There's no process that's below you. Grace is about the journey, not just the destination. So if you'll take a step into the process, I promise the grace is on the other side. Don't let an unmet expectation between you and God hold you back from the thing you've been asking for for a very long time. I understand there are things that hurt. It didn't go the way you wanted it to go. It didn't sound the way you wanted it to sound. It didn't plan how you planned it out to be. Guess what? He's still in control. He's still on the throne. And he's going to walk you from the pig pen to the home because grace is about the journey. Will you go on it? My favorite part about this is that I was the lost daughter. I went to God and I said, I want my share. I'm entitled to my share. And I want to go live life how I want to live it. And I walked out with what everything I thought I owned. And I tried everything the world told me would make me happy. I became addicted to sex. I became addicted to adrenaline. I went all the way into whatever the world told me would make me feel good. I tried it. And just like this lost son, I ended up empty. I ended up so broken, I couldn't pick my pieces up. And when I was 19 years old, I laid down in a very cold and empty garage and I cried out to God. I came to my senses and I turned and I said, God, if you want me, you can have me because I don't want to live this way anymore. And in that garage, the father who was watching and waiting for me ran and met me in that moment. And he hugged me and he kissed me and he embraced me in all of my mess. 
And we've been on a journey back home ever since. And the party is going to begin because our Savior is coming back. Listen, I want to tell you, if you're the lost daughter or you're the lost son, all you have to do is come to your senses and he will meet you there. He's not worried about your mess. He's not worried about it. He's just ready to love you through the process. If you've been here and you've been walking with God for a long time, maybe you need to have an honest moment and say, you know what, I've become a little entitled. I feel like I've earned my way here. And you need to take this time and take the new person coming into the house as a time of communion. See, the word communion means to exchange intimate thoughts and feelings. So maybe you take a communion between you and the Father and you exchange those intimate thoughts and feelings of the time that he ran and he met you and all of your mess. You take that time and you remember the time that he kissed your face and all of your stank. You take that time and you remember that first hug and then you remember that walk home where judgment wasn't on that walk, only grace was. And you remember that blood was shed so that you could come into the camp and so you could live and you could rest in peace and protection. Maybe you use this time to remind yourself of where you've been so that you can love them all the more. No matter where you are in your journey, he's ready to meet you. And this journey of grace, it's so much more about the walk than it is about the destination. And I promise you, he's there every step of the way. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.